0: The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. It is, I'm sorry that you get a double dose of me. And uh, yes, that was a dress shirt that I cut up so that I could wear it under my suit and not sweat to death. Um, It's good to be with you this morning. About a week ago, my wife and I returned from a trip to Hawaii. Uh, it was our 15th wedding anniversary trip, which is actually not until this coming December, uh, but we celebrated a little early because we had free flights and free lodging. So how do you not go at that point, okay? And, uh, and we got to spend time on the island of Kauai. And she picked, my wife picked Kauai because uh, it's lush and it's like for the adventurous people and, and we uh, were wanting to be adventurous. One of the things about Kauai, now you need to understand this. I am a child who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. This is very important for you to understand uh, because Jurassic World came out in 1993 and I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Still am, just to let you know, okay? Uh, and so I, we went to Kauai. Well, I knew on the island of Kauai, uh, on the northwest. A mountain range is the waterfall that was in the first Jurassic Park, and I wanted to be able to see that. There's only two ways that you can see that because of the mountain is by boat or by air in a helicopter. My wife is scared to death of helicopters, so I was begging uh, all the way up to the trip. It was just no, every day, no, no, we're not, nope, we're not doing it. No, 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 every day. I'm like, fine, then I'm just going to go do it without you, you know, like, fine. And she's like, no, no, we're not doing that." No. Then one day I came home. It was no, no, no. We're going with no doors. What? We're, go- we're going on a helicopter with no doors. She went from no, 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 to no doors. I'm like, what happened? I still don't know. She just says, I wanted to do that for you. I was like, Thank you, I love you, you know? <laughs> I have a cartoon when the like, uh, you know, hearts come out of people's eyes. That's what I felt like was happening. <laughs> this is why I love you. And so we went uh, on, on June 12th, will stick out in my mind forever, right? We, we got up early. We drove down to the south uh, part of the island where the, the hel- helicopter was, airport. Uh, we got in a helicopter with no doors where I was uh, seat belted in like a seat belt you would wear home in your car. And there, there it is, right? Like it's just, you know, like, there's nothing there. And we took off and it was absolutely amazing. We saw the Jurassic World waterfall. There it is. It's kind of small, we didn't get to go back in there because it was a little foggy still yet in the morning and he didn't want to get back into the mountain range, but that's it. Now I know you're thinking, that's just straight off of Google. It's not, I promise you it's not. I have it on my phone, okay? Uh, And so we took the 45 minute flight around the island by the air, which was absolutely stunning. Uh, We landed and my wife proceeded to say, we're going on a hike. And so we headed towards this hike. Well, little did I know that this hike was going to take us to the very spot where they built the gates for Jurassic Park in the first movie. So here, I got a picture of that, which are, you can still see the two uh, poles that are mounted there. And so we, we went there. But like, this is like becoming the greatest day of my life, okay? Like, and then after that, that evening, we headed to the only movie theater on the island to see, yes, that's right, Jurassic World Dominion, okay? And when we walked out of the theater, I was like, I could die now. This is like, this is like, As a kid that was obsessed with dinosaurs, it was awesome, okay? It was like one of the greatest days of my life. And and I started to think about like, how bad I wanted to see that movie? And it goes back to the trailer. Anybody here love trailers? Like I love getting to the movie theaters early enough so I can see all the, you know, what's coming out, watch the trailers. And there's certain things about trailers that you have to have. And one of those like is the, the music, Right, if you you ever watch the the Jurassic World Dominion uh, trailer, the music starts and you're just like, oh, you know, like maybe you're not as like obsessed as I am, but but I was like, oh. And by the middle of it, you get like T-Rex coming into a drive-in movie and like screaming, you know, and there's kids running everywhere, which is kind of scary, but nonetheless, it's awesome. And then it's like the climax of the trailer where Ellie meets Alan in a tent just like they did in the first Jurassic Park. And it's like, oh my gosh, I so desperately want to see this movie, okay? Like, and that's the goal. That's the goal of a trailer, right? The goal of the trailer is to give you a little bit, a little taste of the action, a little taste of the drama. And so that you'll come and see the movie and pay the money. And it's a lot right now, right? Like that's the whole goal. Well, see, here's the thing. You and I in our life with Jesus is a lot like that, We've talked about these last few five weeks, like uh, you you should bless people, you should eat with people, you should uh, listen and learn about people. Like when you're doing that, uh, when you interact with somebody as a follower of Christ, it should be a trailer to what it looks like to truly follow Jesus. It should make people want to know what is different about you? What is it that you have that I don't have that that I want so I can be more like you? What is the hope that what we just sang about, the joy that we just sang about, what is different about you? They should desire to come see the movies, to actually get to know you and live life with you and figure out what is it that's different. And at the end of the day, they should become, just like I am obsessed with dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, obsessed with following Jesus. That's, that's why God sent you and I here, to, to this place, to, to this time, to June 26th, 2022, like you're, you're here purposeful, not in White River Christian Church. I mean, like where you live is intentional and purposeful on behalf of God for his kingdom. And you need to know that you are sent as missionaries. Now, you are probably all with me until I just used the word missionaries, right? I don't, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I'm a missionary, Lance. Because when you and I think of missionary, we kind of think of missionary uh, when it comes to like Jesus time. And in Jesus time, that meant you were going to leave and go to another country uh, for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who'd never heard it before. But let's just be honest, we're getting into a day and age where that's really hard to do sometimes. And I I believe, truthfully, that 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 isn't necessarily what it's about. I think what God wants for you and I as missionaries is to live every single day of our life with the goal of sharing the love of Jesus and the good news of the gospel with the people who we come in contact with. And so when I say missionary, that's what I'm thinking about. Your everyday life and who you're sharing Jesus with and how. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The context of our passage today is um, Jesus is... Inside of the cross, he knows that the cross is coming quickly. And and if you were to flip back to chapter 9, at the beginning of chapter 9, he sends out the 12 disciples, two by two, to share about the kingdom of God. And then a chapter later, we see him take 72 disciples and send them out in pairs because he is wanting to make sure that this news is told to as many people as possible before he heads to the cross. So we'll be in Luke chapter 10, verse one, it says this. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he wanted to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. And if they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal a sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we wipe the very dust of your town from our feet and show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Now, here's why I read that passage, because I think as Jesus is, is commissioning and sending out those 72, we see some things that we can learn about being sent. I think they're things that will encourage you today, but also challenge you. And so, uh, as we read that, the first one that we come to is as sent people, our job is to prepare the way for Jesus. Look at verse 1. Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in Paris to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And Jesus is sending them out for what purpose? To prepare the way. He knows he's going to come and visit these places. And so he wants to make sure, hey, your job is to go and prepare the people so that when I get there, that they're ready to hear what I have to say and the teachings I'm ready to share. And the same is true for you and I. You and I have been put here on this place for what? To prepare the way for Jesus' second coming. He's coming again. We think about that. We celebrate that. We teach that. But do we live like that? Does your neighbor know that Jesus is coming again? Does your coworker know that Jesus is is coming again? More importantly, does he know that Jesus loves them and died on a cross for them and is preparing a way in heaven, a place in heaven for them now. Notice, notice this, because this always important when we pay attention to something that happens twice in a passage. It says in, in verse 8 if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. So those are the people who accept Jesus' message, the disciples, right? If they accept the disciples, then you're supposed to tell them the kingdom, Of God is near. But notice this. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets, wipe the dust off your feet, they're left to their fate, and say this the kingdom of God is near. Just no matter what their response is, our job is to announce that the kingdom of God is near. You know what that means for you and I? It's not our job to change their hearts. It's not our job to make them accept Jesus and the message that we have. It's not our job to convince them that this is the way they need to live their life. Whose job is that? It's the Holy Spirit's. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus never says, hey, you better actually convert people and come back and tell me how many you convert. He doesn't say that. All he says is your and our job is to go and to announce the kingdom of God is near. You need to know that. What you do with it, that's between you and God. And whether you choose to believe it or not, that's between them and the Holy Spirit. What a hard job. I don't know about you, but that takes a huge weight off of my chest because sometimes I feel like I've got to do so much so that people will accept it and believe it and want to be a part of it. When truthfully, I'm probably getting so stressed out about doing that that I'm not actually living a life that looks like somebody would want to actually follow. Our job. You, every single one of you, you are sent to prepare the way for Jesus. But not just that. As sin people, we are called to prayer. This is one I struggle with, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But verse 2 says this. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Notice the first thing he says is, not go and do this. First thing he says is, stop and pray. Now, I, I have a hard time with that. Because if you tell me there's something that needs to be done, I'm just like, I'm gone, right? Like, let's get to work. Let's do this. Let's, let's take action. I'm a guy. I want to fix things. I want to do, you know, this just my innate ability. That's what I want to do. Perfect example of this was a couple years ago. We went to Houston, Texas on a student uh, disaster relief trip. And we were working in a home of somebody whose house uh, was completely flooded to the ceiling with water as a result of a hurricane. And the guy that we were uh, was managing the site, his name's James, and, and, uh, and he was telling us what we we're going to be doing for the day. And I'll never forget, Carter Dupson standing next to me. And, and James said, today we're going to demo the bathroom. Carter and Lance, you're going to get the sledgehammers that's all I heard. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's all Carter heard, right? A boy and a, a man who is a boy inside that just looks like a man, right? I heard sledgehammer and demo. I stopped listening. Let's roll, right? Like I, I don't need any other instructions. I know how this works, right? And so he continued to give us instruction, but I didn't hear any of that. I needed a Carter. And so when we got into the house, we just start, I mean, we just start taking this thing down, and within like a couple minutes, we've done a pretty darn good job of taking the tile and the walls and a little bit of a two by four. I got a little ambitious uh, into the tub. And James walks in and is like, oh, like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, that's never what you want to hear when like the foreman walks in and you're working on a job. like, oh, and like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like, what noise do I make now? You know, like, and he said, every, every toiletry that this one had was in that tub. I told you guys to take that out before you began. <laughs> Whoops! You know, <laughs> you gave me a sledgehammer. What did you expect to have happen? You know, like now, another story for another time. Act of the Holy Spirit through Carter, we solved that issue. But, but I have a hard time pausing and doing anything else if you say we're going to do this. I just want to go do it. But notice what Jesus asks of you and I. Before we can go do anything, we need to stop and pray. Pray for what? We're praying for more workers. We're praying for more people who would live their lives out for Jesus in front of others. I don't know about you, but as I look at this room, there's not enough of us in this room to probably cover Hamilton County in the next week. We need more workers. We need to be praying for other churches. We need to be praying for other Christ followers. Jesus knew that, and when he sent us, he asked us to be praying specifically for that. You are sent to pray for more workers. Verse 3 tells us, as sent people, we need to anticipate opposition. Now go, and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, now here's the deal. Lambs and wolves to us are like, you know, the fairy tale books that we, we read as kids before we went to bed. But like wh- lambs and wolves were, were real for them. Lambs were a means to uh, having money. And, and so that, that was, re- there was real things in their life and then real enemies to them. Wolves taking one of the lambs is a loss for them. And, and so what I want you to notice is like he's using an analogy that they would understand and grasp of like, okay, this is not gonna be easy. This is not gonna be smooth going, uh, you know, like everything's gonna be butterflies and rainbows when we do this. No, 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 there's like, he's trying to warn them, there's actually an opposition out there. It's the same one you and I face, his name's Satan. And he would love nothing more than for you just to be a Christian when you show up on Sunday or just to be a Christian when you show up at Bible study or just to be a Christian when you're doing your quiet time but not in the other areas of your life. You see, over and over, Jesus promises us that this is going to be hard. John 15, 18 says this in Jesus' words, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own, but if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so therefore it hates you. I don't know if you knew this or not. The world doesn't like you. It doesn't like me. Why? Because because we're a part of something different than it. Because uh, we've already overcome this world. Let me remind you, as I remind you, that there's opposition out there. Jesus has already overcome that opposition. We've already won the war. So the day-to-day battle is on us to show up And to fight, if you do not know that you're in spiritual warfare, and I will go as far as this because I've said it before. If you are not experiencing spiritual warfare, I don't know if you're in the game. I don't know if you're in the game. I don't know if you're actually following Jesus the way you're intended to follow Jesus. Because if you are, it would infuriate Satan, and he would come after you in a heartbeat. Jesus has sent you knowing you would experience opposition. It's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. To have somebody to help us along. Last, as sent people, we need to stay in one place. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Look at verse 7. Oop, I'm not there. Hold on. Let me get back there. I flipped. You didn't flip. Verse 7. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. You know what? I've been in student ministry 16 years, and this is one of the things I hear probably the most out of students' mouth. Well, I don't know if I really have a testimony of what Jesus has done for me because I've always grown up in the church. That is a testimony. Are you kidding me? I would I long to have that testimony. I know I'm not supposed to, but I do. Do you understand I accepted Jesus at 16? I was really messed up at 16. I still am, don't be fooled, okay? But like, I think if I would have been raised to know Jesus as a young child, maybe I wouldn't have been as messed up, probably because I am messed up, okay? But I long to have that story. I hope that that's what my children, their story is. I've known Jesus since that. Why? Because that's a story. Because that's a testimony. Because that means if you've lived in, I've gone to White River forever. I've heard people say that sometimes. I'm like, that's amazing. Because you've had time to build uh, friendships, a reputation, influence. You can share with others about Jesus because you've been so ingrained into this community. that That is what Jesus is saying. Don't just hop from house to house. We're not going to get anywhere if you do that. Stay in one place. Listen to me. You are where you are for a reason. If you live in Noblesville, Fishers, Westfield, Carmel, Arcadia, Cicero, whatever neighborhood it is, wherever you work, whatever college you go to, wherever you buy your groceries, All those places are intentional places God has sent you. To do what? To prepare the way for Jesus. To pray for more workers in those places. Right? Think about that for a second. To pray for more workers in those places that you experience every day, week in and week out. To, To come up against opposition and be strong in it. And then... Last but not least, to have an impact, to have influence, to affect a place. You see, God sent you and I, and he sent you and I with a purpose, with a prayer, with an opposition, and with a plan for a place to stay. We have been sent. And this is no better seen than in my own very life. I've shared how I come to Jesus with you a few times, but I want to share a little snippet of it. As a high school kid, um, I was just taken in on a swim team by some guys that should have never taken me in, um, and they gave me a trailer of what it looked like to live for Jesus. By that, I mean, they started inviting me to youth group, which as a 16-year-old boy is the scariest place on earth to go, okay? They like close their eyes and talk out loud, right? They like pray and clap and move around, like what is happening here, you know, like this is not for me, right? Like I'm, that, those were thoughts I had. But what, what it was, was a trailer into something that I didn't know about. I didn't experience. And when I would see that little trailer on Wednesday nights, I, I, I wanted to know more. So I started hanging out with this guy named Scott Johnson. And, and man, that guy's life was like a movie for Jesus. I, he drove some of, The most ridiculously broken vehicles I've ever been in in my life. But every week we went to church, he had an envelope in his hand, and I didn't understand why. He could have driven a nicer car, but that wasn't what he was about. I was watching this movie of his life from a little bit closer. He all of a sudden, he decides to invite me into a two-week trip during the summer. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like, I don't know if I do those kind of things. Um, One week was a a, a mission trip to do a VBS in East St. Louis. The second week uh, was to be in East Tennessee at this conference called Christ in Youth. And you want to talk about a movie, like, in your face. Man, that week of Christ in Youth was rocked my world. And I can remember still uh, on June 2nd of 1999, walking down the aisle in Milligan Bible College's chapel and and walking up to my youth pastor and him saying, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I didn't know what that meant. I was not raised in a church. I didn't know theology or church lingo. Lord, Savior, Jesus. I so I looked him dead in the eye through tears and I said, I want what they have. I, I knew as a 16 year old that they had something different than I had. They were living for something that I wasn't living for. They loved each other the way nobody had ever loved me in my life. And over and over that night, he kept asking that question. I said, I want what they have. I want what they have. I just want what they have. I didn't know that that was Jesus. I didn't know what that looked like. I sat for an hour and a half that night and was explained what that looked like as I made that decision. And I've never looked back. My question for you is this. As people interact with you today, when you go to lunch and your server slammed and is late when your drink refills, that annoys me. Is your interaction with them going to be a trailer as to who Jesus is? Is It's going to cause that person to want to know more about who you are and see your life closer? Maybe in movie format. When they see that movie format, when you let your friends into your house and into your home and into your marriage or into your life as a a single adult, are people going to look at that and say, you know what, I kind of like that. You're living for something I'm not living for. Are they going to look at your life and say what I said as a 16-year-old? I want what he or she has. Because if not, we got work to do. And if so, we've got work to do. What does the trailer, the movie of your life say about you who were sent by Jesus to this place? for a purpose, to make known the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he lived, died in our place, and is preparing a place for us in heaven. You have been sent. And my prayer this week is that you will act like it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. As I read this story, I am overwhelmed, honestly. I'm overwhelmed, honestly. Because I couldn't imagine being the 72 and, and maybe not even fully understanding who Jesus was and what he was about and being sent out to, to prepare the way for him and to share about who he was. And I will be honest, the first one in this room, maybe this morning, to be honest, I sometimes feel inadequate to do that. I sometimes feel like I don't have the answers or I'm intimidated that I might not know what to say. But Jesus, what you've asked us to do is to enter into our world to point to the good news of the gospel, to announce that the kingdom of heaven is near, to prepare the way for you when you come again. Jesus, thanks for that high calling. And I pray that we would become bold in this next week and living that out if we've already been bold, God, to continue to empower us and embolden us to do that well so that we might bring glory to your name and your name alone. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your powerful and precious name. Amen.